Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What has philanthropy actually solved? And it's not a lot. Like think about them. We've put hundreds of millions of dollars into cancer research and solving hunger and disaster relief or climate change. And we don't have real solutions. Private philanthropy works in a couple areas. Uh, Vaccines, coronavirus is actually a good example, but malaria, smallpox, like crazy innovative research where private philanthropists can take crazy risk, prove concept, and then let the governments or big end nonprofit organizations who are allowed to take risk see that, see it as a safer bet, and then pour resources into it. Um, But hunger, homelessness, cancer, like those are not places where private philanthropy has really done well. Why can't private philanthropy solve hunger? Like one of the posts I saw was saying how, you know, I'm going to tell my kids this is why one in three children are hungry right now, because you have Bezos, instead of paying income taxes, is, you know, flying his penis rocket to space. Like, why is that wrong? Welcome back to Yank Speaks, everybody. This is your weekly Thursday update where it's Yang Speaks, Yang and Friends Speak. You've got Zach Grauman. Just Friends Speak. Just Friends Speak? Well, Yang doesn't speak today. (laughs) Yang's Friends Speak. (laughs) Yang's Friends Speak on your Thursday update. You're all used to it by now. Carly Riley, the one and only. You're all used to it, but that won't stop six of you from being like, where's Yang? That's fair. And hopefully those are, that's because we're growing and people are finding out about the pod. Um, and where this is our week on Thursdays, um, well, Mondays, Andrew does an interview and, and gives his take on the world. And on Thursdays, we look, Carly and I look to break down a topic that's being misunderstood in the media. Last week, we did socialism. Well, I wanted to say, first of all, thank you. We got a ton of engagement on the episode. Some people loved it. Some people thought we weren't generous enough to socialism. I've read your comments. I've checked out the like socialist thinkers you recommended to me. I have to say, I stand by our episode, um, but I have learned more since then, so I really appreciate it. In particular, Dr. Richard Wolff is somebody you all said to watch, so if anybody out there is interested in learning more, you can check out Richard Wolff. He makes a really interesting argument about uh, state capitalism and says that Cuba is actually a state capitalist society. So again, it's everybody trying to redefine what socialism is, but I I thought it was interesting, so much appreciated all of you who gave recommendations. At Carly P. Riley on Instagram, she'll post a response of some sort on this bad boy. Oh, will Um, I? Okay, apparently I'm now locked into posting responses. You've been like playing around all week, just do it, girl. Okay, at Um, Carly P. Riley, Twitter and Instagram, and thank you for, I got some good DMs too, so uh, appreciate the DMs always. I'm sometimes slow to respond, but I try to get around to it. So, this week, this is something I'm very, very passionate about. I don't know if Carly's as passionate about it, but don't care. I mean, I care. I care about you. Um, 
but I think the world has missed this one. Um, we're talking about billionaires in space. Um, and so for those of you, I'm assuming most of you have heard this because this was national news pretty much everywhere. Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, and as well as Richard Branson, the guy who started uh, Virgin Records and is Virgin Everything now. Um, they both spent billions of dollars to go to space and the media does not know what to do with this. So I'm very excited because there's kind of two narratives and I'm curious, Scarlett, to make sure I get this right. Because like most of my life is just asking you if I'm doing it right. Um, is on one side, the press freaks out like, oh my gosh, such a great story. Like billionaires in space. This is awesome. We love covering super rich people. Um, and we love covering people go to space. Um, but on the other hand, particularly from the left, there's a narrative that this is a complete waste of money and capitalism gone wrong and they should be using the money to save the world. Um, now, so, did I get that right, Carly? That's I, the narrative I, I'm I think seeing. so, yes. Yeah, so I'll be very clear. This is not and will not ever be a Defend the Billionaires podcast. Um, there are plenty of reasons not to like billionaires and Jeff Bezos. Um, whether it's not paying workers enough or... Uh, I will say, I kind of hate the, like, we're going to hate billionaires, like, narrative. I think that's stupid. Like, billionaires are all different individuals. Pre, you know, forget J.K. Rowling's recent scandal. Like, she's somebody who became a billionaire just by writing amazing books. Like, you know, like, people have become billionaires by doing... Very wholesome things. And very terrible things, right? Um, but I want to... Um, and we want to make sure, I think it's helpful to understand this narrative and, and particularly for myself personally, I've worked in philanthropy before um, at the highest levels with, with these types of people. And I know what's not being covered at least from that side of things. So I wanna dive in and then at the end, uh, the back half of this, we're going to we're gonna make a crypto call, which I think y'all should be excited it's about. It's not a crypto call, this is classic Zach. It's not a crypto it's call? An what's it called? It's an NFT, it's a non-fungible token, which- That's not a type of crypto? How many fucking crypto podcast interviews do I have to do and listen to to get the damn terminology right? Ah! I mean, it's in the crypto world. I give up. It's still cool though. And y'all are gonna like it. All right. Billionaires in space. Um, I guess I'll dive in and we'll get your take, Carl. Um, so I, I like starting with some from facts and Carly hop in. So basically Jeff Bezos is worth $209 billion, which is ridiculous. Um, uh, his company Blue Origin is looking um, basically to find a profitable model to explore space, whether it's space tourism or other types of recyclable rockets, things like that. He's been auctioning off space trips and some have been going for upwards of hundreds, $100 million, ridiculous. He's had 15 successful flights and he just went up um, about a week and a half ago, um, and his he quote spent is, what, we're like, going to build... He spent like five and a half billion dollars for like a five 10 minute, for 10, a 10 minutes minute in space flight. or 10 yes. minute flight, whatever it was. His quote was, we're going to build a road to space so our kids and their kids can build the future. Um, and he did have some kind of douchey moments where he was like, he thanked all the Amazon employees. And I was like, dude. But he, th he thanked all of us. Who are Amazon I guess customers. it's better than not thanking them, but it's. I don't know. Like, you know. I, I, the question for me is like, did he was he doing that intentionally to rile the internet, or did he not realize that he was like, is he actually that out of touch? So if anybody missed this, Jeff Bezos said, "I want to thank the Amazon employees and like Amazon customers because you guys paid for this," right. and like, 
you right. know, the left had a field day with that, understandably. <laughs> and uh, right. I, I don't know if he if he just doesn't realize or if he was like intentionally. Who knows? Jeff Bezos being Jeff Bezos. And for context, so Richard Branson has his company Virgin Galactic. Uh, he's one trying to do space tourism, which is I think he has 600 people signed up for reservations that cost a quarter of a million dollars each. Uh, and then Elon Musk is wasn't in the news per se this for this, but he has SpaceX and he's kind of included in this billionaires going to space. For the record, there are other billionaires working on this as well, but these are your big name players. Um, and it's a cool story because you got billionaires, they're doing awesome stuff, they're competing, it's a billionaire space race. Um, and then this whole narrative from the left, like, is it evil? And that's what... Um, we wanted to talk about today. Um, I, I am, I'm excited about this. Your, your perspective on this is interesting. I, I don't know if people fully understand your background and, and maybe we dive into it a little bit more in just a second because I think it's worth understanding what you did do in your past life um, as both a founder of a nonprofit that's going to be what worth a million dollars this year and as somebody who worked with the biggest charitable givers in the, in the world. But I think first, like you kind of outlined this, the media narratives we're seeing are, are not just about like what's in the media, right? I think we have some headlines here of like what all that money that's being spent on space exploration could help to solve, right? That seemed to be a big narrative. Oh, Jeff Bezos yeah. spent $5.5 billion to be in space for four minutes. You know, here are the seven things that that money would have been better spent on. How the billionaire space race could be one giant leap for pollution. You're getting a lot of, of that. But MSNBC, MSNBC was my favorite was... Uh, Jeff Bezos' live Blue Origin space launch is the pinnacle of waste. Uh, fun, fun, fun. Well, and you, but you also have what I thought was interesting because I wasn't tracking a lot of those media headlines was the social media, like outrage over the this. The memes were everywhere. I think, right? Like you have, you know, there was one of that with the quote: "Men will literally launch themselves into space instead of going to therapy." You know, and then you had like Jamila Jamil, who I tend to really like. Jeff Bezos just got divorced, yes. Yeah, yeah. Jamila Jamil was like, oh, wait, wait. Like, so which billionaire got to be in space first? Like, oh, wait, I don't care. Fuck these guys. You know, sure, flying to space is cool, but have you ever tried paying income tax? Like, that was, that was generally kind of, you know, big social media names. That was the sentiment. Um, and then the other one that I thought was interesting was the comparisons that I saw all over the place of how much time the media dedicated to talking about Bezos in space as opposed to how much time they spent talking about other things. So for example, uh, on the Sunday or whenever it was that Bezos went into space, like um, America, this, whatever, CBS This Morning, like all these news shows mm -hmm. collectively spent more time talking about Bezos in space than they had spent talking about climate change in all of 2020. Um, <laughs> so that's getting people mad, like, ah, you know, they're making climate change worse. Meanwhile, the media won't even cover climate change. Right. Um, so I think that's sort of the, the background. So uh, there was one article, probably my favorite, Global Citizen listed off things he could have used the money for instead. So if you had $5.5 billion, what else could you spend it on? And I, they said, uh, and I, don't quote me on this is Global Citizen, whether their numbers are accurate or not, they seem ballpark enough. But they said he could have saved uh, 37.5 million people from starving. He could have vaccinated the world, which I think is BS because vaccinations are actually not a cost problem, they're a distribution problem. But that would be $2.6 billion to vaccinate the world just from a cost perspective on uh, medicine. Um, and then humanitarian interventions are believed to, um, if you spent a billion in Nigeria or two billion in the Congo or a billion and a half or so in Afghanistan, you'd be able to solve a lot of those crises. Again, a bit of a stretch, but this is what people are saying. He should have spent the money on other things. So I, I wanted to, I think this is important. Um, 
to help us understand is this wrong? Is this right? What 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 should what should average humans actually think about this? Should we be pissed at billionaires spending a bunch of money in space? Maybe a lot of us don't care, but it's forced in our faces anyway. So I think having opinion on it should be helpful and informed opinion. Um, so uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start, Carl. I guess um, unless you want to take this a different direction, I'm thinking um, here here's what's where we're at. I used to basically help very very like a hundred million dollar plus. Um, philanthropists and, and rich people give money to charity. And I used to help other people do that as well on our team um, when I was on Wall Street. And so here's a general perspective. Um, well, you ran, what you ran, What's up? what did you, what was, you ran like client philanthropy services at UBS. I was head of client philanthropy solutions at UBS, which was a fancy title to go around and help people with their giving. Um, but um, a number of thoughts, let's dive in here quick. Just to set the record straight, Jeff Bezos and his philanthropy, he's been hammered in the press for not doing a, a lot of things maybe your traditional billionaires are doing, public or traditional public billionaires. But he is objectively, the top two philanthropists in the entire world last year were himself and his wife, who took half of his net worth in a divorce. Um, he created a $10 billion Bezos Earth Fund to fight climate change. He's donated $100 million to Feed America. In 2018, he gave a billion dollars to fund education homelessness. He's given millions before that. So he is, whether we want to call him greedy or not, he's the biggest philanthropist in the world, at least right now. Now, he's not Bill Gates. I mean, it's different. How they tally this up is when you give it, you know? So if you start a family foundation with $10 billion, you're not giving that all at once. Um, so the Gates Foundation has given more on a yearly basis. But in terms of pure philanthropy. Has he pledged to give all his money away? Is he one of those billionaires? So there's something called the Giving Pledge that um, I believe Bill Gates started, um, which is the wealthiest people in the world, billionaires, pledged Buffett, to give. Buffett uh, started it with Gates. I thought he but. signed it. Um, no, but I'm pretty sure Buffett, because Buffett gave all, pledged to give all his money to the Gates Foundation, and that's what kicked it off. I'm a big Buffett head, so... Okay, not as maybe in Jimmy. <laughs> that's not less important. But the point is that billionaires all over the world are signed this pledge to give away half of their wealth is what it is. They give away half. Um, Jeff Bezos is one of the few who has not signed it. Yeah. And that's why I think yeah, it's Bill and, and Warren together. That, that's what you're like. He's not a particularly generous dude, Bezos. Like it, you're like, oh, he gave a ton of money. But like it reminds me of what's that? The, the Bible story of like the woman who gave one cent, but it was like all she had versus the man who gave a hundred million dollars. That that's not what the number was in the Bible. Sure. And he had 10 billion. Like, I, I don't think what he's doing, I don't think he's a generous dude at all. And I think I will. I would argue debatable because not um, there's plenty of billionaires that we do not know about that don't give anything. So they're really ungenerous, but that shouldn't, Agreed. the bar isn't. But here's the other piece is Warren Buffett, like had not done anything major philanthropically until he decided to give it all away at the end of his life. So there's yes. talking about, you're talking about 60 years plus where he was not a philanthropist. No, Buffett, um, okay, and Buffett has spoken about this, right? And he A, regrets it, but B, Buffett doesn't care about money, but he's a competitive dude. And so he was like, I wasn't giving my money away because watching myself get richer was how I measured that I was succeeding at the thing that I love. Sure, but why can't Bezos have the same justification? Because he hasn't verbally said any of that. Why does he have to verbally say that? Why wouldn't he just make the giving pledge if he was planning on giving it away? You're now in. Who cares? You're, uh, he can make the giving pledge at any point in his life. You're, you're assuming life. that he's going to. I'm just going off of the information I have, and you're seeming to like 
project that maybe someday he'll make this pledge and therefore we should think he's generous. That's I'm not saying that. He could give, he could not sign the pledge and give half his wealth away. Like, like pledge is just a symbolic thing that he maybe. Okay, but he's not him. giving half his wealth away. I'm based on what we know thus far. And what we know thus far is he's given away a paltry sum compared to what he has. And he's given no indication that he's going to give away more. Whereas Buffett, yes, didn't give away for a while, but has explained why and has said he's giving all of his money away, not even just half of it. He's probably half the age of Buffett, one, two, saying that there's no indication that he's given uh, that he's made no indication that he's going to give more away. He gave $10 billion away last year. He's the largest out of 209 billion. That's uh, sure. But a lot of that's illiquid. So it's not like, I mean, I understand that he could give more. I'm not trying to defend this guy, but to say that he's not a philanthropist is ridiculous. Um, Okay. And to say that he's not relatively generous is ridiculous. Oh, I um, think that I think that's what's not ridiculous at all. I think to say he's not relatively generous is exactly what you can say. How many people give five percent of their net worth away every year? Not that many. I, I mean, I believe I do. Is that what he gave? Five uh, percent? Well, yeah, ten is tithing. Like that's to me giving five. First of all, I don't know. I guess give it two and a half. He's two hundred billion, right? But I'm assuming there's some like illiquid stuff he can't get rid of. Like if his liquid, liquid assets, what he can give. I guess he can give illiquid assets too if he had a good advisor, but. Anyway, we digress here. My point is um, he is giving a lot of money away. Um, now, Branson and, and Musk have signed the giving pledge. They are pledged to give. But also, the giving pledge is symbolic. They don't have to give anything until they die. So that doesn't necessarily solve a lot of things we're talking about here in terms of problems today. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online... I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing. You don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Just hit one button and then your internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data. No matter what device you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S VPN dot com slash Yang. Go to expressvpn.com slash Yang to learn more. The question is, should they be giving their money? This is what I think is fun. Should they be giving their money to charities to solve problems or should they be exploring space? I don't think we should treat these, given their wealth, like they're mutually exclusive. Um, and I think that's partly what's happening here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question with another question um, that I think nice. we should think about as we have this conversation, which is, for the people who are really mad about this, like, what are they mad about? 
like is it is it are they mad that we're spending money on going to space at all like if the government was spending this money would they also be mad um or are they just mad because they're billionaires and they're mad that billionaires exist and this is just symbolic of a system that they hate and i, I think it's probably that that second one um which i'm more sympathetic to um the first question like i absolutely think it's great that we spend money um, even exorbitant amounts of money well spent trying to get to space and expand our understanding of space. Um, but let's, we can use those questions as some frames as you give us your take because you actually do know quite a lot about this. So I, I'm interested to get into your take on this. Yeah. And I think this story kind of touched on everything like capitalism's problems right now, plus our broken social, our broken, our actual problems in society, whether they're part of capitalism or not, like broken government, and then like government's inability to solve anything like private citizens handling what the government used to do. Um, plus it's billionaires. We love talking about billionaires in the media in the United States. Um, okay, so here's, I wanna, I wanna be clear. I'm not defending, um, I am going to defend Jeff Bezos and the billionaires for this, but you it's not because I love these guys. I just want to give everybody some context as to why. Um, so um, I agree with you. This stuff isn't mutually exclusive. You can, spend a bunch of money, go to space and spend on charity. But here's the one thing a lot of people like kind of just forget. Giving that much money away is very, very hard. It is incredibly hard. Writing a million dollar check to a charity that doesn't have it like, a, like or let's call it $10 million, $100 million, you're gonna like, that don't have the infrastructure to take that much cash is almost impossible. It's, it's an impossible task in many ways. My own charity is gonna be a million dollar organization suit up we're really excited about. But if you gave us a $10 million check, like we are run in a certain way that we could scale, but a hundred million would be like, we're not there yet. Um, we have eight, you know, eight staff, whatever it is. Like that's like, it, you're just scaling up. Um, so what are the, what are like, what are some of the charities that can take huge sums of money to like solve? And that's the biggest problem is that the big, the ones that can take that are your universities and your hospitals. And the main issues in, private philanthropy today. Like what are the problems with why philanthropy doesn't work? Um, number one is that a lot of these charities do not and cannot take massive risk. Um, so you end up getting money funneled to a lot of safe bets, which is names on buildings or treating symptoms instead of the cure. Um, there's a lot of talk in philanthropy on your overhead. And there's a guy named Dan Pilata has a TED talk on uncharitable. And one of the things he talks about, like we talk about overhead, which is like, People, donors will say, I want my money to go to the cause and not some executive director's yacht, um, which is uh, okay, fine. But the reality is what does overhead include? That's not program money. That can include technology, research, talent, innovation, like recruiting people, reinvestment back in your business. You're telling me that Apple or Amazon don't spend more than 10% of their profits or their budget on overhead is ridiculous. So you would never hamstring a business that way, but we do that to our charities. Um, so you'd rather have a bigger pie that spends 25% on research and tech and quote unquote overhead than a smaller pie that's got the perfect 90-10 that a lot of clients want as a big one. Um, and then a lot of them are, um, a lot of people want to start their own thing. So a lot of private philanthropists, are, there's like a, there's like the world has too many charities. Uh, I think the number we used to tell our clients is that 95% of for-profit startups fail in their first two years because that's capitalism, that's how it works. But in charities, in nonprofit land, only 10% fail. It's less than that. Um, so they just don't fail. It just exists on in perpetuity and suck resources from each other. So, and so, so this is all an argument as to what? That it's 
So my point is for people to be, and let's call it global citizen or the left saying, hey, Jeff Bezos should have said that $5.5 billion and used it to cure hunger. That's a very, very, that's not an excuse to not do it, but that's not like, it's not like he could just donate and be like, oh, I solved hunger. Like to actually solve a problem there, um, it would take a mass amount of innovation that I don't believe private philanthropy actually can solve. And that's the real question. If you actually ask yourself, what has philanthropy actually solved? And it's not a lot. Like think about them. We've put hundreds of millions of dollars into cancer research and solving hunger and disaster relief or climate change. And we don't have real solutions. Private philanthropy works in a couple areas. Uh, Vaccines, coronavirus is actually a good example, but malaria, smallpox, like crazy innovative research where private philanthropists can take crazy risk, prove concept, and then let the governments or big end nonprofit organizations who are allowed to take risk, see that, see it as a safer bet, and then pour resources into it. Um, but hunger, homelessness, cancer, like those are not places where private philanthropy has really done well. So, and at the risk of making this redundant, why can't private philanthropy solve hunger? Like one of the posts I saw was saying how, you know, I'm going to tell my kids this is why one in three children are hungry right now because you have Bezos, instead of paying income taxes, is, you know, flying his penis rocket to space. Like, why is that wrong? There's one, there's treating the symptom and there's treating the cure, like the cause of hunger, right? Um, so you can feed people and we do that, right? Um, there's a lot of philanthropy that's spent like giving food to the hungry and that is important. It's like a... I call that like disaster relief. There are people in need, we have to help them. And that's what philanthropy should be doing. It's also what our government should be doing. In order to actually solve hunger, we probably should get an answer on this. But the biggest challenge is not, at least in what I've researched, it's not a food quantity issue. It's a distribution issue. It's a government issue. It's a, um, I mean, every government's different. Um, so, so could a, but could a private individual with enough money solve that distribution issue? I mean, if they were able to bribe every single government official to get them to do what they want, like, I don't like, you know, and maybe Jeff Bezos could create a, an, why don't you tell the World I mean, Bank story? When I was on Wall Street, I, I asked a, a very senior woman from the World Bank and she, well, she asked all of us, if you had an infinity money, what would you use it to, what causes would you um, focus on to cure and solve? And everybody went around, they said the usual education, this, that, and the other thing. And then I flipped it back on her. I was like, well, what would you do? And she said, I would use the money to bribe the men and mainly men, but the people in power around the world um, to solve the most pressing problems in the world. Um, because, uh, and that's probably the only way you'd solve hunger because you, like you, Jeff Bezos is not the government of India um, where he can, like India has a caste system, right? That like they believe that they're very poor, like, done something to deserve that um and so like, your, your point is that, that fighting against there are problems that are so big and this is a bill gates thing that i've heard him say so this makes some sense to me as i'm learning about this like there are some problems that are so huge you actually need something at the scale of government to solve them correct and and yet gates talks about that like there are things that you just can't solve privately um, yes so there's risks that governments and businesses um and that, that, that's the challenge you need the government to solve them and sometimes the private sector, but there's certain risks that those areas can't take. Like some ideas are too crazy. Um, for a government, if you're an elected official, you can't be betting on crazy new technologies that are very expensive because people will find out if they don't work, you lose, right? You don't win your next election. Um, the, a lot, some of these really good ideas 
like let's call it solving hunger on like a local level takes what they call patient capital where it's like i have to build the infrastructure and the the community and the, the the businesses need to grow and the hospital needs to get better it's like this slower and you don't make your money back the way you would in a business and you don't have the results the way you'd want like a government so that's where private philanthropy should come in where they come in like i'll put up the crazy risk i can i can fail as a private philanthropist um, because you can't but if it works then i want you to scale it um jacqueline novogratz we've had mike it's the sister i believe of mike novogratz who's been on this podcast um has started an organization called acumen and her whole thing is about patient capital, like building a hospital that's not gonna have an ROI in the first five, 10, 20 years. But over time, that government can pick up the tab because it's starting, because the community's building and the, the profit models start to work and as a business or a government can start to come in. Um, so a long way of saying, uh, be like, Bezos should be solving world hunger and helping us eat. He is donating, I believe, like giving 10 billion, he's the number one philanthropist in the world and so is his ex-wife. I don't see a future where he's not like pressured to give even more in that world. Um, but also, what, are you gonna, what is he gonna do? Like he's literally looking like, how do I give away $50 billion? If I wanted to give away $100 billion, how the hell do I do that? And what am I solving? You better do something awesome. Like that's a really hard challenge. I'm not be like, boo-hoo, Jeff Bezos, wham, wham, wham. But seriously, it is very difficult. And if you listen to Bill and Melinda Gates talk about their foundation, they talk about how fucking impossible it is to give money away at an effective way that you would, the way you would invest it. Um, because these social problems are complicated. They are not black and white. They are not measured effectively. It's tough to measure and find results. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. So there, there's a concept in philanthropy, I, I think it's philanthropy or in the world, right? That's like measure anything you're going to do with your money against just giving it to people. Yeah. Obviously, that's a big thing you and I are advocates for. Why shouldn't he just, you know, figure out a way to do a massive UBI or hell, just like use his personal wealth to pay Amazon employees more and just use that money to just give it to other people. That's not a bad one. Um, we're talking about two and a half percent of it. So here's the other thing. Um, and I wrote this down. So I, um, 
I don't think he's mutually. This isn't um, what we're talking about. Is not mutually exclusive. Like him giving away two and a half percent of his wealth for the space race does not mean he can't give hundreds of billions of dollars to do a, a UBI or something crazy. Um, my concern, and if I was his advisor, like find something that's sustainable and not, you know, curing the symptom for a short period of time. But that's a different challenge. So the the big one for me, and like why space is actually, in my opinion, relatively philanthropic and has high philanthropic and has high ROI, is a couple of things. One, our government's not doing it. So if we are passionate as a human race about space exploration, billionaires have to step up. That's number one. Um, and philanthropies aren't doing it and governments are seeing it's too risky like it's too expensive and too risky whatever it is the second thing is it is massive upside here both for profit and philanthropically and i think that either we popularize space travel over time to the point where you could take a rocket from here to london and get there and you know from new york to london and get there in two hours or so and that would change a whole bunch of ways we do business or you start to colonize space. Um, yeah, but isn't there a good argument to be made that says like, oh, yay, now like, you know, the already rich people essentially who do global business can get to London a little bit faster. But isn't it better if we, again, give poor people money instead of being able to do that? That like that advancement is not actually great. It's not, it's not, it's a fair point, but it's like, I don't know, like how valuable is it that we can have planes going, like people can travel across the country so this I will say, okay. So and, and that's not just a rich people thing. Poor people, and like the average American is flying on a plane once a year, I imagine. Um, no, no. No? I don't think so. Absolutely not. Poor Americans know. certainly are not. Once a year? Poor Americans. Like, we should look, look that up. But It is not just business people traveling. There are plenty of people that are you going were to saying, and use a You were saying going to London? Do you know how average Americans are not going on vacation? London's a bad example, but you could take a rocket anywhere when people okay. go. And maybe it cheaper for people to go to Australia or go see a relative who's across the world. One of the coolest comparisons I heard was to maritime travel in the 1400s, which is... You know, in 1450, if you were going to take a ship from Spain, for example, to some other part of the world, which at that point we didn't even know really what existed because we hadn't fully traversed the globe, it was incredibly risky. It would have seemed like a terrible use of money because the odd that you sunk or just disappeared and never came back, right. et cetera, were very, very high. And yet what that exploration got us was like insurance for the first time. Like, you know, all sorts of things that in modern day we actually value that are good for any number of people. And of course, like we now live in a global world in ways that are largely very beneficial. I mean, there's obviously, you can come at me for like colonialism, et cetera. Um, and so one of the things that we know is being worked on as part of the space race is global broadband and being able to provide mm -hmm. internet now from satellites to the entire world, including people in like third world countries who right now don't have any access or you know very little access to the internet and what that has the potential to do in terms of making a truly global marketplace in terms of people suddenly earning money you know online in countries where you know whatever five dollars a day is is incredible like there's a lot that can be done here in terms of bringing internet to the world and you have things like spacelink i forget who's doing that one of these you know billionaires or it might be is is working on spacelink <laughs> which does satellites to bring broadband etc so i think um that did shift my perspective a little bit of I, what's being underestimated on the part of people yes. who are really opposed to this is how much innovation can come out of, really important, valuable innovation can come out of 
investing in, in, in space. And what the point you're making, which I think is interesting, is that it should be private philanthropists doing this because the government should not be taking on this kind of risk, blowing this kind of money, but that we should be doing it. And so the people who should be doing it are exactly are doing this. It. Are the and if the government, and if, if Elon and Rick Branson and Jeff Bezos create recyclable rockets that cut the cost down going to space by 25 or 50 or 75%, and next thing you know, we can travel to Saturn, we're certain men on Mars, Eventually, if we have to back up the hard drive because of an extinction level event on Earth and we have to colonize Mars or the moon or God forbid any stuff, we'll be thanking them. And for two and a half percent of his net worth or whatever the heck, like for this, for a drop in the bucket for Jeff, this has high upside that no one else is really willing or able to take. So that is my defense of this. The big one to me, for those of you who are like, well, billionaires shouldn't exist this way, that sort of thing. To me, don't hate the player, hate the game. Like, what Jeff Bezos is doing theoretically has massive upside for humanity. I don't think we should be mad at him. Um, objectively, I'm not a human being. You can be mad at him. Okay, here's a question for you, though. So Anon Giridadis, how do I pronounce his last name? Giridadis, who wrote um, Winner Take All or whatever, which was a, a book that Yang loves. I know you love about, about basically how you get these people who... I don't know his last name. Sorry, Anon. Uh, yeah, you get super rich and then they give their money away a little bit and pat themselves on the back and feel like they've made a difference when really they haven't. So he wrote a book right. that makes that argument. He has said about this, and I'll, I'll shout out Griff Shark, I think was his name, somebody, username, on our YouTube comments last time brought this to my attention, which I appreciate, um, which was Anon's argument that basically like America and what's great about America was built on this balance between what we do as a collective, what we do together, and then what we do alone. And that this whole billionaire space race is an example of this balance being totally out of whack. Um, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. One thing that comes to mind for me is in this maritime analogy I was making, uh, a lot of those, you know, those ship explorations that happened in the 1400s were a combination of private investors and government investment, um, which I, you know, helps ensure that there's a sort of collective benefit to be had from it. I don't know. What's your any thoughts on that take? So. I guess from my experience in talking to the big philanthropists, the issue is not what's getting done in some ways. I think there's times where government will have to make an investment no one wants to make and you like that, but other times philanthropists can do it too. So it's less about that. The big one to me, the biggest challenge of where philanthropy is going is oversight. And Bezos is not the best example because that is, um, or at least like Musk, like SpaceX, a public company. Um, like blue, I don't, I don't think Blue Origin's public, but it's like there, there'll be some level of, of oversight there, I guess. And plus it's very public, but um, like they're making a big deal about it. But so there are a lot of philanthropists who wanted more flexibility than starting a private foundation or starting a nonprofit. So a private foundation, you have to give away. You basically give all the money at one point, you get your tax deduction there, and then you have to give away, I believe it's like 5% a year or so. There's like required distribution, maybe it's 10%, depends on, um, uh, it's been a while since I've been doing it, but at least 5%. Um, you have to give away a certain amount a year, but you don't have, the rest can just be invested. Um, but that has rules and regulations and the, the IRS and um, are, are actually closely monitoring private foundations. Those get audited a lot. Um, what Mark Zuckerberg, for example, did with his wife, they started, they didn't even do it for the tax purposes. They started an LLC, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, I think it's called. Um, so their philanthropic 
efforts are all done in a for-profit vehicle just do what they want which in one hand is really cool because they can take crazy risk and do what they want they don't have to give five percent a year they don't have to worry about uh doing things that are uh purely altruistic wherever it is but there's no public accountability because a nonprofit is technically owned by the public so there's no awareness of who's on the board um there's no direct oversight what every dollar spent on so things like that so that um to me is the biggest challenge where it's we're supposed to do this stuff together um or some of these things affect all of us but there's no government oversight on how it happens that's the biggest challenge okay well i, I think this is interesting i want to wrap us to our, our final topic here or bring us to our final topic here um, don't hate the player hate the game carly appreciate your take on this you know, Maybe people I, hate me. That's like just that's just so we need another. No, I actually think you white bring guy a defending billionaires. No, no, you bring a, a certain amount of knowledge to this that I think most people don't actually have. They don't understand how it works, and that's again, that's been a criticism I've heard of of the people who are criticizing the billionaires is that a lot of these folks are like commentators and haven't actually tried to like solve these problems in a big way and don't realize how hard it actually is and that this 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 space work is actually really valuable. And then it's I think- critics, man. It's critics. But there's valid point. I mean, like Richard Branson tried to get a bunch of money from the UK government to bail out Virgin Atlantic in ways that like, or Virgin Galactic or whatever that, or I think it was Virgin Atlantic, whatever. It's just like, it, it, that riles me up because I'm like, let capitalism do its thing. Let these companies fail. Also, you have $5.2 billion. Feel free to bail it out yourself if you're like, <laughs> you know, so upset. Like now you want government money? Like that, that does really get me. Oh, the fact that they don't pay income taxes. I got plenty of bonus. Yeah, and that's now the, that's the system, not necessarily the billionaire specifically, but it's, um, it's messed up. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay. Speaking of money. Predict the future, Carly. Last topic. Do it. Well, no, I was going to say the, our, our final topic, I think, was going to be stoner cats, which is just yes. something we wanted yeah, to bring to people's attention. Okay. So. Uh, stoner cats. Like gift goats, which I talked about a while back. These NFTs always have silly You've names. Upgraded, I that think. somehow involve animals. Um, stoner cats is an NFT project being launched really by Mila Kunis, I guess, but also with Ashton Kutcher. Fascinatingly, Vitalik Buterin is involved in this. Vitalik is the, the founder of Ethereum. So that was cool that they got him. And uh, it is an NFT project that Jane was Fonda, supposed to drop. Uh, Chris, Rock. Chris Rock. Well, okay, we'll get there. So this, okay, okay. They're, they're not actually really behind the project, though. They're just oh, actors. They're still so, involved. Okay, so let me Don't give it to you. Cats. So Don't this NFT, Zach. This NFT project was supposed to drop yesterday. As we're recording this, it's, it's Tuesday, July 27th when we record this. Um, it was supposed to drop yesterday, Monday, at 2 p.m. Pacific time. They had to push the launch back to today. Um, I'm going to give quick pros so and cons. So we'll launch already, by the way. So by the time this airs. Unless they push it back. This. Unless they push it back. Okay, I'm going to give you the quick pros and cons and the, and the rundown. The pros of this project is it's really cool and innovative. Basically, if you buy one of these NFTs, and they're going for like, 0.35 ETH, which is like 800 bucks or whatever current prices of ETH. Um, if you buy one of these, you it unlocks 45 minutes of content created by some like 
big wigs in Hollywood. So you have like the people who animated Spider-Man, who have you know, a bunch of different like animators, people who created some cool TV shows. And then this content is voiced by the actors are Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher, Seth MacFarlane, Jane Fonda, um, who's the one I miss you, Chris Rock, and then Vitalik Buterin. Vitalik Buterin, who's the founder of Ethereum. And so it's like an all-star cast. It seems to be an all-star team creating this animated series called Stoner Cats. About and then cats there are all sorts of other perks like about cats like who get high. Like what could go wrong? Is cats getting high? <laughs> and there's all sorts of other benefits. If you become a token holder of this NFT, like you get you know, additional perks and say in the content. And, and the, the idea here is that this will hopefully fund other projects. So it's the first example, that I, at least that I know of, of NFTs basically funding like a production company and putting the power in the hands of the viewers as opposed to in the hands of a traditional studio. Those are the pros. I think conceptually, super cool. I'm investing in it because I, I love that concept. I want to see more of this. And hey, like call up to the socialism thing. This is what you're talking about. Like this is the worker collective. It's like I the money's going to the people. I don't want to invest anymore. But Oh my but. goodness, calm down. Okay, so and then the cons. What are the cons? This team has not done a fantastic job of building their community around this project. And right now in NFT world, it is very important to build a strong community for your NFT before it launches. Um, and I think there's been two failings on this, on this front. You have all of these celebrity mainstream players who are involved in this project, and they are doing very little to promote it or to educate their audiences on how to set up a MetaMask wallet, for example, and therefore to buy an NFT using ETH. Like, they have not done the requisite education piece to draw in the mainstream audience. And they're also not letting you buy this with a credit card. So like, NBA Top Shot is an is a NFT project that's done very well with the mainstream because you can use a credit card for it. Um, so they have not, they don't have the infrastructure for the mainstream, and then, and then they have not, you know, educated the mainstream on how to buy ETH which is a missed opportunity on a whole bunch of fronts. Seth MacFarlane isn't even tweeting about this, nor is Crash Rock, et cetera. So that means the people they're attracting are the like crypto NFT insiders who don't really give an F that these people are celebrities and just want like a cool, a cool project. Um, and on this front, they've sort of delivered because the project seems cool, but they haven't really like paid their respects to the inner community to make them feel comfortable and like they really know what they're doing. So they had to delay the launch yesterday because they messed up some of the tech. And instead of doing what some of these other projects have done when they have to delay their launch, because that's actually pretty common, and say, hey, okay, sorry, we're going to have to delay, you know, we'll give you 24 hours notice before this thing drops. They sort of kept everybody on edge. They didn't give us a sense of like when the new ETA was. So people were getting really mad. They're like, this is disrespectful to the community. You're making us sit here and wait and waste our day. Um, instead of handling it the way you're supposed to. So the cons seem to be they don't yet seem to be really good at navigating like the whole NFT crypto community. The pros are that I think it's innovative and super cool. And for that reason, I'm going to put some ETH towards it. Um, but everyone should check it out. Stoner Cats, Stoner Cats TV. See what you think. We're investing. If we lose our shirt, I don't know. <laughs> and this is like, I can't We're tell. We're not investing enough to lose our shirt. Don't invest so much that you're going to lose your shirt. I can't tell if we're just bitter that we missed on the gift goat. <laughs> um, and like stoner cat is our like consolation prize or I'm kind of betting on the show being good because that I think will bring yes. the broader community. But the fact that these celebs have not tweeted about it makes me worry that it's not very good. Um, I don't think uh, that's it. I think they just don't want to have to educate 
they don't want her to start answering questions about like how do I get access to this show. I mean, look, clearly spending eight hundred dollars for forty five minutes of content is an absurd value proposition. That's like, ridiculous. <laughs> of, of course. Well, you get a, other episodes, right? Or is it one you, one token per each, episode? No, no. Each episode is like five or six minutes. The episodes are really short. They have a total of forty five minutes of content for this first drop. But then the idea is that they're going to expand it to more content. And as a token holder, you have like say in what gets developed and you get, you know, other perks. Um, so there's a chance Carly's making me lose money again. Um, <laughs> again, Zach, we don't have to rehash this. I did not make you lose money the first time around. Stoner Cats. It's stonercats.com. You can just I don't Google think, is that what it is? Owner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in Ashton Kutcher's uh, Instagram profile, too. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Ashton link, and Mila. Link in bio. Um, and by the way, Mila's sort of pro the billionaire space race. And, and watching an interview with her about stoner cats, she was like, I think people are misunderstanding the value of this whole space race thing. And she's like, I get the criticism, but I think it's people don't really understand. She talked about space race and stoner cats. She beat us yeah. to the punch here. I thought this was the only podcast. Well, Ashton was an investor in Virgin Galactic and Mila told him oh, he yeah. couldn't go to space. She was like, absolutely not. You're not going to space. I'm going to space, Carl. I'm doing it. Yeah, no, I would not I'm, be comfortable I'm with that. I would take the total Mila approach and was like, absolutely this is, not that. This, this is what's going to happen. Stoner cats going to the moon and it's going to pay for my Virgin Galactic quarter of a million going to the moon. space tourist ride and I'm going to be Wait, weightless. Be weightless. So be there's amazing. a pun. Stoner cats is going to go to the moon to fund your trip to the moon. I thought you were going like the cow jumped over the moon type poem thing. Uh, we are now burning the end of this podcast. Carl, Stoner Cats, and Billionaire Space Race, an episode for, what do we call this? For the record books. Um, great to have you. Thank you for keeping great me. Great I'm a co-host now, Zach. Great to have you, Zach. It's great to have you. I'm glad to be in your presence. We're out. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> See you next Thursday. Bye, everyone. Bye.